0: Today is November 19th, Season 2, Episode 41, Decky, don't stop. How are we doing today?
1: Good. Andy, anytime, dude. We are uh, crushing it. It's, a, it's the 41st week. We got Keith Daniels, an entrepreneur, a lawyer, um, that we met at LinkedIn Local. What a time that was. Just a bunch of right angles, Andrew and I, perusing the area, um, trying to find some cool people to talk to, and Keith comes out of nowhere, dude. It's the coolest guy, coolest conversation talking about cybersecurity. Something that uh, a conversation that is not too often had, but we took a step forward and had the conversation. It was
0: awesome. It was awesome. Stick around for the back end when we hit home in average quality. Oh, what did you learn in a feel-good story? Be a back end member. Be a tier above the rest. Enjoy the ride. Intro music, it's your time to shine.
2: I'm-
0: Let's get this, Brad. We're doing it live. Keith, how are we doing today? Welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast.
3: I'm great. Thanks to be, for inviting me here.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, man, last time we saw you was uh, sometime in September. A little the, warmer
3: then, oh, I think. A
1: little warmer, and uh, at the LinkedIn local event. That's correct. And what a what a time that was. Just it, what, what are your like thoughts on that? By the way, just like what you what your what are your intentions going into that? Because we obviously had some stuff thinking about going into it.
3: Well, any time you go into an event like that, I think it's important to try and uh, make some human contact with some people. Uh, it's not an opportunity and to just go out and pass out business cards. I think you really need to go up and start a conversation with somebody. Um, and when I go into an event like that, I'm just looking to meet two or three people I might want to have a further conversation with later. Uh, so the biggest suggestion I ever have to anybody who's interested or curious or f- is freaked out, about going into a networking event like that is uh realize everyone else is scared too don't go to the person who's standing all alone because you'll never get away from them find two or three people and it's great if that in that two or three people there's there's a woman there because the female will always make you welcome
0: yes that's a great point and uh it, it was definitely dangerous on our end for the sense of like we uh what we were talking about wasn't necessarily, like you kind of said, was in not a business card sense. It was very conversational. That's what we are. We're a podcast. So in that sense, it was very easy. But the other sense was like when someone's talking to us, they could just feel like, why are we talking to these guys again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we caught up with you mm-hmm. towards the end. And I think the last 45 minutes, you, us three, and a few other people in the in the uh, LinkedIn local we're just having the best conversation. We're like, all right, Keith, we got to schedule a time. Two months later, we have you on the podcast. So to give our marketing interns a little background about yourself, because mm-hmm. uh, they don't know you. We do, but they right. don't. So could you briefly describe kind of what you're doing right now and how you got into that?
3: All right. Well, currently right now, I've got uh, a couple of ventures going, uh, which draw upon some of my past and some of my hopefully future. Uh, one of them is uh, what I call Cyber Council. And it's a consulting organization, uh, which will hopefully morph into a legal consulting organization. I'm taking the Minnesota Bar in uh, February, um, and using that to uh, help small and medium-sized enterprises uh, deal with the ever-changing world of cybersecurity and data privacy. Uh, there's a lot of new laws and regulations coming out, more being considered. And we're going to be seeing a lot of changes in the privacy security world. Uh, The other thing I've got going is called KBD Insurance Solutions. Uh, I've got a long time history working for insurance carriers. And previously, when I was practicing law in Chicago, for a long time I did insurance coverage work for Lloyds of London and several insurance carriers. So, what I'm working there is to help people understand uh, what their risks are, how they can handle them through insurance. And uh, understand those policies better. Um, what I found in sort of melding of the two is that a lot of enterprises and non-for-profit organizations, for-profit organizations, um, they've been told they need to buy what's known as a cyber liability insurance policy. It's supposed to protect them in case there's some ne'er do well breaks into their system and takes customer data, shuts them down, does anything wrong in their system they don't understand the ins and outs of those policies. Their insurance agent doesn't know the ins and outs of those policies. And uh, that's an issue that I think a lot of people need help with. And that's what I'm trying to build a business on.
0: Cybersecurity, man. <laughs> Oof. It's a dangerous topic. And that's what we're going to be diving into for the next probably 30, 40 minutes. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. And I think what we, that's kind of really need, where we need to start. I mean, um, just in the basis of cybersecurity, what is like the current issue that you're building these businesses on, and uh, what is the kind of your solution for it?
3: I think that was as we all check our phones. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the first thing. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: I think the core thing is getting the attention of businesses, the large companies, the 3Ms, the medtronics etc., the big companies. They know. Their exposures. They've seen Target and know the risk there. That's a well-known breach. Um, they know well what's going on in Europe and elsewhere in the world with new laws and regulations because they're a worldwide organizations. Um, and they're very complex organizations and they're very robust organizations, and they have a lot of talent in-house, and they can afford to pay for a lot of big talent out, outside coming in. Uh, but it's a small and medium enterprise, the, uh, the company that's maybe has 50 to hundred employees, um, or less. And, uh, it, their IT person is the kid who can then figure out how to put the computers together and tie them together from high school. Um, uh, not a security person. Um, and they may have a consultant on retainer, so to speak, um, But that person may only know how to install certain programs um, and not really know the overall climate of what's going on in the world Um, and a lot of these companies whether they know it or not are exposed um, because of the data they have to laws that they don't even think they're subject to Um, there are plenty of small and medium businesses who are subcontractors vendors etc of large organizations They're dealing with data from those organizations, and they may have protected personal information um, coming from the larger organization. Well, they're not immune from the laws that apply to those larger organizations in many cases. And when someone is trying to break into those large organizations, they don't normally start at 3M or Target. They start at the small vendor, the small business, and work their way up because they know that it's the low-hanging fruit, it's easier, easier to get in, and then they can work their way through the systems to get up to the larger larger place where they feel the the money is.
1: Okay. Now, just understanding kind of, so you, you were a lawyer in mm-hmm. Chicago, is that correct? Correct. Um, how did you get into that, man? Like, that's, that's not an easy profession. We have a friend who's uh, going through law school right now, and uh, the last time we heard of him was when he graduated. God so, bless him. Yeah, so... What's like what's that all about man how did how did you get into that? It's the funniest thing that um
3: growing up, my best friend Jeff Halloen and I, um both about fifth or sixth grade decided we were going to become lawyers, and neither of us had lawyers in the family um, and it just sort of happened. Um, I was a political science major. And at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire um, and got involved in a lot of the politics there um, and it was just a normal thing. I was thinking I was going to go law, go to law school. Um, I applied to three or four law schools. I didn't apply to 10 or 15 like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all set and was about to go to Washington University in St. Louis. Um I was on the waiting list at Madison, and uh the day before I was going to load up the car and move to Beverly, so to speak, uh got a call and said, uh, do you want to uh, go to Madison? We've got a place for you.
1: That's awesome.
3: So I uh, went to the University of Wisconsin Law School. Um, Madison was a magical place to be back when I was there. Right Yeah. Okay. Still, here. still um, is. Still has its When hat- was that? Yeah.
1: Not to date yet. at
3: all. I not to date me. He was in Murrow. 1980, uh, <laughs> I started in 1985, graduated in 88. Okay, okay. Uh, well before you guys were even a glimmer in anyone's eye, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, pretty
1: much. <laughs> um,
3: and yeah. it was interesting. Um, I remember in law school thinking I'm never going to do anything in insurance, so I'm not going to take the insurance course. All right. Uh, lo and behold, everything in the world relates to insurance I've discovered in life. Um... Every business decision has some kind of risk to it, and every uh, decision that uh, nonprofits make have. And a lot of the things we do is because insurance companies have told us we have to do them. Right. I mean, uh, you've got sprinklers in buildings because insurance companies say that's a great thing to do to keep down the fire risk.
1: Right.
3: Uh, You've got seatbelts in cars because, you know, they don't want people getting killed as often in cars, uh, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of just things we take for granted, which really are driven by the insurance world.
0: And uh, just kind of pivot real quick, did your buddy make it through law school as well? My buddy made it through law school. Okay. So you both made it fifth grade, the pact, and it lived and it lived to its fullest. It,
3: it did. He actually went to Northwestern. Okay. Wow. And um, he went to work for a big law firm in Chicago. Um, I went to work for the U.S. Army. And really? spent uh, f- almost four and a half years on active duty with the Army and uh, the Army JAG Corps. Oh, well, why? thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they'd let me, I'd do it all over again. It was fun.
0: Awesome. What, what was that? Because you were in Madison and then was that the next step right after that or was there something in between? Well, I had
3: an interesting situation. Um, in law school, um, a lot of the jobs come out of really interviews your second year of law school. Um, and then you clerk between your second and third year at a law firm. And typically you, if you do a reasonable job there and I think the biggest thing is, can you hold your alcohol <laughs> uh, back then? Uh, they'll invite you back, and you become a, an associate when you graduate. Uh, I was working for a uh, nice little litigation firm in Madison. Um, they gave me an offer, so I didn't even bother interviewing. I thought, I'll stay in Madison. It's a great town. Mm-hmm. Um, nice little firm. I enjoy the people and uh, worked there for the summer between my second and third year and uh, suddenly the law firm blew up which can happen you just don't know and suddenly i didn't have a job offer anymore so i was scrambling for a job Uh, most of the big firms had already hired people and i ended up with a small firm in beloit wisconsin um i landed in beloit and within about five minutes realized that's not where i want to be for the next 10 minutes (laughs)
0: <laughs> I drive past Beloit every day cuz I'm from Chicago so coming up here you pass Beloit and it's just like
3: and you drive by the good part of Beloit when you're on the interstate okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> go a few more miles in and you'll see what you don't want to see um and stayed there for I was there for about 6 months and decided I got to get out of here and ended up you know looking at my options and figured out the army was a good one and really? went into the army um in December 31, 1989, or 88, actually, is my entry date, and um, went to the basic course at Fort Lee, Virginia, and then uh, went to officer basic course, which is at the University of Virginia campus, and uh, then to the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And was with the 101st um, when they did the, uh, you know, the Panama invasion, And I was there during the first Persian Gulf War. Um, I didn't deploy with them. Uh, I was told I was the next guy to go, and we never got to the next guy. Wow. Um, Did you want to go? I was getting a lot of experience that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise if I'd gone. But when I saw the videotapes come back of my friends over there, I was kind of jealous of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, damn. although, uh, it was damn hot and a lot of sand over there. That's yeah, for sure. i no
1: kidding. That's crazy.
3: Um, and then I went from there to the 101st and I prosecuted, I did legal assistance work. I did some environmental work and went to Utah to a place called Dugway Proving Ground. And, um, there were two attorneys and I was the only attorney there for a good part of the time. And, um, did a lot of environmental and administrative work out there. There was a, a test facility where they did a lot of biological work with chemicals historically. Um, most of that was done in the 50s and early 60s, not so much now, but that meant that the uh, U.S. Army had a lot of cleanup to do. And uh, it was in a good, interesting place, and Utah's a beautiful place to be, so I didn't mind that at all. Um, and then I was, you know looking at what I was gonna do next, stay in the army or get out. And this was a time period in the Clinton administration when they decided that we were not gonna fight any more wars and we wouldn't need a military anymore. So there was a real drawdown. I got out, um, ended up moving to Chicago because my wife at the time had family there. Um, Joined a law firm, uh, walked in thinking I was gonna do litigation work and found that I was doing insurance coverage work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back to that insurance, man. Yeah, back to that insurance. (laughs) And uh, spent most of the next 10 years practicing with them, um, a couple different names of the law firms, and then with a couple different law firms, uh, representing uh, some American insurance carriers and some Lloyds of London syndicates. And uh, spent a lot of time going back and forth between Chicago and London and handling cases all around the country. Um, and it was there that I sort of got the cyber bug. Uh, they were asking us to advise them on whether the world was going to shut down on January 1st, 2000. The Y2K? The Y2K. Of
1: course. We were only, what, four years old at that time? Four, I, two, yeah, 2000. Yeah, I really wanted to know about what, what was like. What was uh, well, Y2K yeah. all about, man. Well, didn't have computer, something to do with like the
3: code. Yeah, and, computer like, code... For those people who are into computer coding, know it's all zeros and ones. Yeah, binary. And the concern was on January 1, 2000, it would suddenly be zero one zero 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 zero, And they didn't think the systems could handle that, that they wouldn't understand what 00 meant, that it would reset to 1800 or 1900. And suddenly they thought, um, Mortgages would have to be would suddenly be reset and break payment terms. Contracts would reset. Uh, Gasoline station pumps would shut down. Things of that nature was it was a concern that utilities would shut down um, because they thought the system might not understand what the code meant. Right. Um, My opinion at the time was that you guys in business are spending. Billions of dollars fixing this problem. I'm pretty sure they're going to do it, and uh, lo and behold, I was right. Um, but out of that, started looking at. Okay, we see that, and believe me, by at 2000, we're a long way in history beyond where we are now. Um, I mean, we didn't have smartphones. We didn't have much in the way of. We didn't have laptops yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did see that computers were becoming a bigger and bigger item in our world and they would probably get faster and faster developing into our world as time went on i don't think anyone could pretend we'd be where we are now but started thinking out okay how if computers and business start using more of this stuff and things go wrong what kind of things could go wrong and how would that affect different types of coverage and insurance policies and out of that figured that there's no policy that covers the issue of when you are alleged to have, um, been negligent in harming another person with transmitting viruses or worms or things of that nature. And actually worms was a term that they thought was going to use it. Rarely has ever happened, but, um, and we threw in a little coverage for what we call business interruption. And When your business gets shut down because you've received something, and it helps pay the cost of your business shut down your loss of income. Right. Well, over the years, it's turned out that the exposure to all the data breaches that have happened, and they're they're in the news every day, um, isn't so much... That third party, what we call third party, where I'm getting sued by another per company for saying I, I harmed their system by sending them something uh, which had a problem in it. The biggest loss the companies are facing is that business interruption, and they're shutting down while they're trying to fix their system and clean up their system.
1: Right, they lose all that money. They lose all
3: that money, and right. then the third thing, which for the larger companies and some companies, depending on what goes on, is the notification costs, if they have to notify people that their records have been breached. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the unquantifiable is their reputation damage. All right.
1: Uh, so what's going on with um, kind of where cybersecurity is at now? So you got four guys in a room right now who use social media like it's their life. Mm-hmm. Um, we're basically giving data and information to the Facebooks of the world, the Instagrams of the world. Every app on your every phone. Every app on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um is connected to the internet and providing these companies with all your data. How is that data being protected if it is at all? And how is it being utilized and sold and manipulated and so on and so forth?
3: Well, you are far ahead of most people just in that assessment that you gave right there. So congratulations.
0: Thanks. Pat yourself on the back. (laughs) Sweet brag.
3: Um, The issue of our privacy is one that I think it was Oliver and Wendell Holmes wrote in a decision that he he defined privacy as the right to be left alone.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Well, we've given up huge amounts of that privacy um, to the government, to Google, to Facebook, to Yahoo, to umpteen others, predominantly just because it's convenient we are used to giving up privacy and our data so we can get something for free. Um, and as a result, these companies, how are they making money? Uh, they're not making money by providing you with free service. That's a money loser.
2: Right.
3: They make money by selling that data to other companies.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And there is a huge business. I mean, it wasn't... I, like. When General Motors came out with OnStar in their vehicles, um, it wasn't long before OnStar uh, that General Motors was a technology company. It wasn't a car company anymore. They were making money on their technology, not on the vehicles they were making. Really? And that's what's kept General Motors in business. Wow. You know, it knows where all the vehicles are. It can track that information. It can sell that information. Um...
0: So, are you saying, but from going to the extent of like the sedans were traveling in this fashion, they can track it pretty much? Okay, with OnStar, they were able to see the paths every car was taking,
3: they could see where it stopped, where it stopped, sure, other things, Mm -hmm. and so they've got a traffic pattern that they can set,
0: what cars were going on long trips,
3: exactly. Okay, yeah, there's,
1: and then from that, they were able to like design around the tendencies that these cars were moving, traveling. Well, you know,
3: they could sell saying, look, we know that the people who buy this type of car tend to travel to certain parts of the country or p- certain places. Oh, yeah. And they could say, you know, let's sell that information to um, people and, who can make use of that. Right. Um, and now many of us have, we're using either Google Maps or Waze or something on our phone to let us know how to get from point A to point B. I I know I did today getting here. And all that information is being fed in, and it's tracking where I've been, and speed I was traveling, and how many times I stopped. Um, All of that information is going somewhere, and someone can make use of that.
1: So, like, when you go and look at shoes on on the internet, and then you get an ad on Facebook for those same exact shoes. Oh,
3: you'll get it for about two
1: weeks. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's all harnessed kind of in the Facebook pixel. We we use that all the time. Is that like a good example of you're basically giving your data to um, the shoe or apparel company, and then they're, it's just feeding it back through Facebook? Or is Facebook kind of in, tr- in control of that data? I'm, I'm when, confused on the process. When you have the
3: Facebook app on your phone, mm-hmm. it essentially is tracking everything you do all the searches you do on your phone everything it's basically tracking it
1: listening to you as well i assume we that's
3: sort of a a thing that it's listening to you but not so much although it could yeah there's nothing that says it couldn't Mm -hmm. but they claim they're not um google with the uh with its systems and, and and others that have you know Hey Siri, hey Alexa, whatever. Yeah. Claim they're not actively listening to you, but they could be.
0: They very well could be. That would make sense if they were. I mean, if, not if they were, but like they, they, they have the full capability to. Yeah. That, because that's what you're, you're, you're talking to that, and they're tracking your voice to gather what you're asking. Correct. So they easily could be listening to things when you're not talking directly at Alexa, directly at Siri.
3: It, it okay. could well happen could Oof. well happen Oof. Um, there have been some interesting um, you know different people have different ideas of how private they want to be yeah and how con- much they want to control it and and it's virtually impossible to be totally private anymore mm-hmm. it would it, it takes a lot of effort and significant funds um, I was reading an article that this guy cost. He said it took him about fifty thousand dollars worth of money to pay for to try and get himself as close to anonymous to everybody in the world as he could. Um, you got to do things like take Facebook and take all those apps off your cell phone. Mm-hmm. If you're not using an app on a cell phone every month, take it off. Right. You know, do a regular hygiene. Um, if you do have apps, don't sign in through it through Facebook.
1: Which, <laughs> which is all. I, mm-hmm. I do is, it every
3: time. You know, it's, it's easy. Yeah. And that's why people do it. It's
0: convenient. Well, that, I mean, I have a ton of questions off this, but the main one is do you think the control lies in the user or do you think the control should be in, the, and more so in laws? Like the like Facebook should not be allowed to take this data without your permission and, instead of just saying I acknowledge this by hitting that little check mark. There should be another step. Or is it more in my shoes of like, if you don't want your data being used, don't use Facebook.
3: Your your first part of your question is more of the European model. That's how Europeans view privacy as opposed to Americans. Europeans view privacy as very personal; they own it, and only they can give it away if they intentionally give it away. We sort of look at it as the opposite. We give it away, and sometimes we might want to grab it back. Um. We look at things like Facebook. We look at things like Google and Yahoo and other things we might go on to. And okay, we could have laws that go into effect, much like the European version, where we have to affirmatively consent to them getting our data, and we have the ability to affirmatively pull it back. Uh, There's some discussion in Washington of that. California's passed a law recently, which is going to go in effect in a few years that goes down that road.
1: What is that law specifically? I saw that the other day.
3: It's um, California's law um, is going to effect in 2020. Um, I can't remember the acronyms, as acronym. It's like CCAP, C-C-A-P. And right now, it's it's going through a lot of back and forth still with the legislature and uh, the Attorney General and so forth in Washington, in California because the Attorney General says, I don't have the assets in my budget to do anything with this law.
1: Well, and does the Attorney General even know what he's, like, dis- disputing or well, passing a law for? Just
3: it, asking. And this is, the, this is the Attorney General of California. Yeah. Um, I think understands generally, but I think, you know, legislatures tend to try and solve whatever the latest crisis is as soon as possible. Right. And they often don't think about the next step. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, the, the overall long-term impact.
3: Well, the overall long-term impact, or long, or, or even the short-term, how would we put it into effect? Right. Um, the Europeans, when they put their general data privacy regulation, the GDPR, into effect that went into effect this past May, that had been lo- discussed and proposed over a three to four year period. So there's a lot of lead in before it went into effect that people could start to understand where it was going, but it was still evolving over that time. California rushed a law into place um, and didn't have a lot of feedback into that, putting it together. Mm-hmm. I think they're now looking at it a little bit and trying to figure it out. But at the same time, with what happened with the Cambridge Analytica problem with Facebook that people got upset with it in the last election. Um which which
1: was just they had
3: what they had done is that a year or two prior to the election they sold data on certain users to this Cambridge Analytic over in the UK. Okay. The that organization developed that used that data to develop a quiz. And there were a lot of quizzes going on, like, you know, which member of the friends were you? would you be, or if you were, what tree would you be, or something like that.
1: Which uh, Harry Potter... Character um,
3: would you be, you know.
1: Um, what's the Hufflepuff, Gryffindor... Oh, Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah Ravenclaw. Yeah. I, I was a Ravenclaw, th- by the okay.
3: way. Okay, Ravenclaw. Yeah, which school would you have gone to Like yeah. Harry Potter, yeah. you yeah. know.
1: I think that's the biggest one in the UK, if, well,
3: you as answer, far as I'm concerned. Well, you answer those questions, and right. what happened was people were answering these questions, and then they were forwarding them to their friends, and suddenly yeah. Cambridge Analytica not only could see the data on the people filling out the original thing, but they could see the data from their friends. Yeah. Which theoretically was outside of what Facebook data had given them, and that was what some people got upset about.
1: Um, Just because it was like a second-party source, essentially? That
3: people who had not been part of the actual quiz, suddenly their friends got sucked into this.
1: Right, okay.
3: And um, so that Cambridge Analytica got a larger group of people and then theoretically could use that data simply in a marketing fashion. Mm -hmm. And they could develop messages to go out that, they thought would help particular candidates same way they thought they could persuade people to buy certain shoes or certain coats or certain perfumes whatever it was the same kind of process okay
1: so so that's a good um kind of a segue so like this past election not really to touch on the election itself but kind of the style of um the marketing tactics behind it where you like how the algorithms are set up now as far as i understand is If you really like and engage with um, one party or the other, then that's what you're going to consistently get more of. And that's kind of how the algorithm is built to basically fit what you like. They're not going to just show you everything. They're going to show you only what you like. Um, How does, is that going to be, like, as election season just passed now, but Mm -hmm. just for future elections, are we going to be seeing that similar model, or is it kind of like they learned something from the 2016 election that needs to be improved on, or something like that?
3: Facebook and Google, etc., are are private companies and determine their own...
1: Yeah, that's the only problem. ...their
3: own programs and their own this and that, and uh, government cannot make a determination one way or another. Uh, After the election, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, people at, at Facebook decided they would change the programming behind the Facebook um, to do what you just said. Yeah. That they thought that people were getting ambushed or misled by all this stuff and so let's just make it so people could talk to their friends who agree with them. Maybe that will cause people to agree with each other more. <laughs> well, that's only put people in the echo chambers. Right. Suddenly you're only talking to people who agree with you and you're not hearing any other viewpoint, any other side to an argument and I think that is not helpful, but that's where we are. And you have to know a little trick to break the algorithm.
1: Right. And is so- it kind of weird that all these, I mean, you, they're a private companies, so it's totally legal, I think. But Andrew and I were talking about this the other day how, like, Instagram and Facebook and all the stuff that we use so heavily to promote our podcast and sure. this podcast and everything. Like we just, they don't even give us the algorithm on how to be the best at it. Or you really just have to, it's a trial by fire type thing and they could change it tomorrow. Yeah, right when you
0: think you figured it out, they'll change it on you and then you're in the wrong.
3: There, there, there are people who make a decent living supposedly on search engine optimization yeah. you know, for Google and Facebook, etc. And um, yeah, they may know it right now, but it can change in a heartbeat. And suddenly all their knowledge goes out the window.
0: And do you think that should be common knowledge? Like their algorithm should not be hidden from the public? or Where, well, do, you, where do you stand on that?
3: I think it's proprietary data what goes behind it, you know, the, the secret secret sauce. But, you know, their businesses are trying to make money. They are now the most powerful com- companies in the world. There's no doubt about that. Right. Um, and I do think it would behoove them to act differently but i don't think government can really tell them to act much differently um unless they're fall of follow-up antitrust or something like that and if someone wants to be brave enough to fight that fight mm-hmm. well they broke up ma bell so maybe they could um fair enough you know the algorithms change i know facebook used to be a great place to market your business people would run ads on it all the time it wasn't that expensive you could reach all sorts of people it's for the small business it's now almost unusable um but you know so you're seeing these large buys from larger players and those ads are filling you up Mm -hmm. um but you're not seeing like the local insurance agent anymore or uh I you know, the sandwich shop on the corner putting a little coupon out anymore because they can't buy them enough. They mm-hmm. just can't get in there. Um, so, you know, I, I think that from what I've heard from people, the the key thing on, you know, you, you can use Facebook, you can use Instagram, whatever, you have a website. Um, make sure you've got the words that you want in there and the information there you want people to search for and if it does, you'll pick it up. Right. Um, Don't. And then you've got to keep working on it and keep it going because you just don't know where things are going to change and one of the biggest things and you're the social media guys is um, if you have a web page or something is put as much video as you can on it.
1: Yeah. So we do do memes as well. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Those, we've, those, we've seen them. We've seen them explode. Those memes, yeah, yeah those yep. things. Memes, <laughs> maybe. Memes, yeah. There you go. Um, I am, did, why, why, can I? Sure, please. This? Yeah, go ahead. So something. the, uh, I mean, you're so, so heavily involved in cybersecurity. What's your biggest concern going forward? Let's say in the next five years.
3: Well, I think my biggest concern is that. Um, there's a couple concerns. First of all um, people have to understand that the cyber criminals and the bad people um, look at this as their job this is their 9 to 5 job they have quotas to make they have uh, numbers they have to hit those are the professionals, and they're working on it. And this is what they're doing every day. Drop the kids off at school. Go to... Go and hack Target. Go and try and break into a Target. <laughs> um, and doing it in Russia. They're doing it in Eastern Europe. They're doing yeah. it in China. Um, and that's the professionals who are trying to get in there. Um, you have a few, you know... The stereotypical kid in the basement um, who are more curious they want to know how it works and they may not have any uh, nefarious thoughts behind it they just want to know how the system works and oftentimes if they break in uh, they will let the company know that they broke in Um, a lot of people refer to people in this area as hackers Um, a lot of professionals hate that term because a hacker is simply someone who's curious about a system and wants to know how it works. doesn't mean they mean any harm. All
2: right.
3: So they have sort of broken up. You have what they're called white hat hackers, who are those people who are either hired by a company to break in, and companies pay people to do what's called penetration testing, and they try and figure out if there's holes in their system by hiring people to hack into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the black hat hackers, who are the people trying to make... Money off of this, and then you got in the middle the gray hats who sometimes do the good things and sometimes try and make money. Mercenaries, pretty much. Um, the long term, the biggest issue is the industry is saying there are close to a million cybersecurity jobs that need to be filled right now that aren't filled in the
0: One million.
3: One million. Holy cow! And they expect- so what you're
0: saying is drop what I'm doing and get into cybersecurity.
3: It would be a good career path. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could still do this on the side. Yes. Um, and um, it is a lot of I mean, look at what business is. Business is all data. Now, everything we do involves all that laptop and transferring this and that on, online and so on. Um, people need to be there to protect it and people need to figure out what the attacks are and where they're coming from. And if they hit, how do we remedy them and how do we mitigate it so it's not shutting us down forever? Um, I mean, not everyone is the Nigerian prince who's promised us $15 billion in gold if we just give him $50,000 so we can get out of the country. Um, There's plenty of people, well, the people behind the, the Sam Sam virus, for example, that is a uh, thing that just nested into people's computers and basically shut down the city of Atlanta for several months and the Colorado Department of Transportation for several months. Um, Who was this? That was approximately a year ago now.
1: oh wow. never heard of that as well. Um, the SamSam
3: virus? It was the SamSam virus.
1: just got into someone's computer and just hung it out?
3: Basically gets in there and then suddenly, boom, they switch it on and it wow. eats up all sorts of data and Basically shut down the courts in Atlanta, shut down the Atlanta airport, shut what? down most of the uh, departments in the city of Atlanta.
2: Holy I think God. it
3: cost them about, uh, last I heard, about $2 million trying to uh, clean their system up. And uh, it also hit the Department of Transportation for Colorado twice. Um, and then there's others out there that are happening. We talk about, that's, it's a version of ransomware, although... Sam Sam gets in there and they don't really know who to pay is the problem. Right. So um, how
2: does it
1: work then? I mean, you, you mentioned one million jobs um, in the realm of cybersecurity. So is that is that kind of shedding light on the fact that there are a lot of people out there, a lot of companies maybe that are just vulnerable to being attacked and it's only a matter of time? Or, I mean, how does it really break down?
3: Well, I think it was... Bob Mueller, when he was the FBI director, who famously has been quoted in every speech since then on cybersecurity, that there are two types of companies. Uh there are those companies that have been breached and those companies that have been breached but don't know it yet. Uh, because virtually everyone has been breached. Um there's a uh survey by the Ponemon Institute, maybe pronouncing that wrong. Maybe Ponemon, Ponymon. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um and they do a survey of every year and the average time from when a intruder breaks into a system to the time it's discovered is close to six months on average it's a long time huh? yeah so someone can get in and do a lot of poking around and looking around and extracting things before it's ever discovered Especially in the larger organizations, and the smaller ones don't even have the systems in place to know what's going on.
1: And that's kind of who you're working with right now is the smaller organizations, trying to get them up to snuff and seeing how you can help. Pretty much. Or... That's
3: where I think who I think needs the most help, where I can be of most value.
1: So, like knucklehead podcasters like us, who uh, yeah. started a company and don't know what we're doing. Well,
3: you're learning as you go. That's how we all do it.
0: Right. But it's only a matter of time until back pocket gets hacked, right? Yeah, it's a matter of time. I mean through this whole evolution of cybersecurity and you breaking down the fundamentals of what cybersecurity is and what it's what today looks like in all the different realms of social media, the internet, um, what is in your back pocket as this independent consultant working with a few other people? Um, what is in your company's back pocket and yours as well to help these, these middlemen companies make sure that they are doing their job on their end?
3: Well, I think the, the key thing is I understand, as a layman, how to talk with them and to talk to the technical people. I can be the person in between. A lot of times you bring the technical people in and it's it's talking to a different planet. Um, and the average business owner doesn't have that kind of, unless they're a technology business, doesn't have that background. Um, a lot of businesses, particularly regulated businesses, um Healthcare, financial advice, banking, so forth, they know that the regulations are on them to keep this data private. So they're a little bit more receptive to it and they need it. But I think that they need advice um, and they don't need to spend $500 an hour for it. I'll take a little bit less um, from the big law firms in town. And They need advice as to, okay, how do they prepare? How do they have a plan in place? Who are they going to call if something happens? Um, Just do what is known as a tabletop test. Run some different scenarios for them. You know, uh, business owner is on vacation and incommunicado because he decided he wanted to be up in the woods doing some camping and there's no cell service. What happens if the system gets breached and you can't reach the business owner? Who's going to be the person making the phone calls?
1: Our boy, Keith. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah, who is on your team to bring in? Do you need to have uh, forensic analysis done? Do you need to have legal? Do you need to have public relations? Do you need to have a cybersecurity person come in and lock your system down? All sorts of things that you have to figure out need to go into your plan. Not to mention, just with the new rules and regulations, uh, if you're doing any business with anybody in Europe, really at this point, You're going to have to update your privacy policies that are on your website. You're going to have to have avenues to, as you say, have people opt in um, to officially give them permission to take their data. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to have a system, whether you create a separate system or you merge systems, uh, where if someone comes in and wants their data changed, they want to know where their data is or they want it deleted, that you have the ability to do that. California is requiring that as well in their new law.
2: Okay.
3: Um, much very similar. That's why I call it GDPR light. It's similar to the European model. Okay. Now, at the same time what all this is happening, there has been discussions in Washington, and this would be a change because up to now we've had a hodgepodge of laws among all the 50 states in the District of Columbia. They're all different. They all set their own law. Um California's important because, well, what California does impacts a lot of people because they've got 40, 50 million people there. Yeah. and
1: They're like their own economy. It's
3: like much. their own economy. Um, we haven't had a federal law. We've had the Federal Trade Commission sort of be the lead federal agency, but they can only go in in certain circumstances uh, when there's um, misrepresentations and undue things of na- that nature. Uh, but they're not getting involved with the standard breach. Um, the Securities and Exchange Commission gets involved if they believe and this is something that's actually rather new um, if a publicly traded company has a breach and hasn't done basic things for security uh, and therefore the stock value has gotten harmed but they are going after some directors and officers now which is something new and something I thought was going to happen 20 years ago but finally happening Um, but again they're only getting involved after the fact so there's no federal law that says you have to do this or that unless you're in healthcare with HIPAA and what's known as high-tech or you're dealing with kids. There's a law that pertains to what they can do with the apps and the games and so forth for kids signing in.
2: All
3: right. uh, they're supposed to have certain protections for that. Um, but we don't have any overarching privacy and, da- and data breach law. Well, Congress, in the Senate at least has been talking about that, and the administration was proposing some, going to propose something. Um, I don't know if they actually ever did propose it before this last election, Uh, but I know there has been some recent discussion, both uh, on the Republican side of the Senate and the Democratic side, to put some new law together and see if they can get it through the system. Um, Doesn't sound like the administration is against that, so... Yeah, I think it's quite likely we could have a national privacy law in the next year or two. Well, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: it seems like our country's evolving. Yeah. Um, and kind of to pivot off a core question off that with the back pocket is how you've been evolving maybe personally. So this is a core question with your average quality. What would be your average quality? And we frame it in a way if you do this sometimes well at times and other times not so well. And at the end of the day, this is your wildly average attribute, habit, emotion, etc.
3: Boy, oh, like everybody, I think I'm great at everything, <laughs> uh, and that's actually something that they've done studies that people always overestimate how good they are. That we always think we're much better at anything we do than we really are. Sure. Um, I say my I'm a I'm always acquiring new information, and I'm always sucking up new information, and I'm trying to, di- to distill it and digest it in a way that I can communicate it, and maybe that's my best biggest strength and maybe sometimes that's my biggest weakness maybe I think I'm an expert before I'm an expert um, and maybe I uh, get out there and, and try things before I'm quite ready um, you know I started the businesses I've started you know on a shoestring like a lot of people do um, I left a job in Chicago with around a lot of money in my pocket but I'm working on it and, uh, you know, I'm confident that better days are ahead, so. Awesome. That's all I can do. And, you know, all I can say as far as life goes is very few of us have life on a straight line. It's pretty much a good zigzag, and we never know when we're going up and when we're going down.
1: That's true, and you got
3: to really handle it all the same, right? You've got to adapt and just keep moving forward.
1: That's right. Um, it was cool. We, we do a research here at the Back Pocket. We know you work at the WeWork facility. Um, in here in the in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. what's it like working uh, you know around a bunch of young, savvy entrepreneurs um, who are trying to you know keep moving forward in that same aspect? I find it really a lot
3: of fun, um, and it's exciting to see them and, and talk with them, um, and they're doing all sorts of different things. Um, well, a lot of them are technology related. Um, you know my uh, little space we call it the cubby um is uh right next to this company with two or three guys who are doing a lot of technology but to test athletes so they can try and improve their performance mm-hmm. which is a cool concept the way i see them doing it um we've got people doing all sorts of other things uh, bunker labs is a has a big place there and they do a lot of uh technology work for military veterans uh, coming out. And it, it's a very vibrant, very um, energetic, positive place, I'd say.
0: Competitive, probably. It,
3: I'm, I'm sure it's competitive in a mm-hmm. way. Um, well, the, the one thing is what anybody's doing is really not a secret to anybody who walks by. Mm-hmm because the window the walls and the doors and everything in the building are glass okay so everyone's seeing other people active and you see the boards with them talking about their pipeline and talking about this client and that client and this client and it's it's a lot of you know synergistic things going on and then the org and then the WeWorks itself I think does a good job Although I wish they would, when they were bringing pizza, I wish they would put meat on it. But anyway, that's their plot. That's their idea. They don't put meat on anything. Um, <laughs> why? Just, I, something about meat uses too much water or something. Um, <laughs> that's beyond me. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, but they do a lot of programs as well that that get people to mer to to collaborate collaborate and talk to each other they they do these sales just i think it was yesterday they had some people in talking about sales and a lot of people were walking through and listening and mm-hmm. some people stayed and watched the whole thing other people's moved around mm-hmm. um and uh, i know when they did something like the minnesota entrepreneurial week which was what a couple months ago um they did a lot of those events there
1: okay
0: that's and, awesome
3: uh, a lot of the people who were speaking were actually residents, so to speak, of the WeWorks facility.
0: There you go. Awesome. Well, transition to the back end of our show. Yeah. We got a game alert. Game. Game. All right. So this is a game intended for us to ask you where these companies, where you believe these companies' cybersecurity is truly. Um, so we're gonna rattle off a few companies, and okay. if you could give uh, us your two cents. This will be called Keith's Two Cents uh, game, Okay, going off our Geno Two Cents from a few weeks ago. Yeah, dude, nice game. Yep. Uh, So we'll name a few companies and maybe give a 10 10 to 30 second spiel on how you think they're doing. First one is uh, a company we are very familiar with is Squarespace. They're the uh, the website design. We use them to design our website, um, building those analytics, and then um, selling our products on that website. How do you think their cybersecurity is?
3: Oh boy, somebody
0: in the cybersecurity
3: world is going to get me right now. Um, That's what this is all about. <clears throat> I would guess it's pretty good. Okay. Um, what, you want me to give you like an, I don't know, scale of one to 10? Yeah, scale yeah, one yeah. to 10. Blind Please. scale. Um, with only knowing what you just told me, um, I'm, and I think I've seen the name of it somewhere. Um, most companies, particularly in this field, are probably at about a 9.5 to nine. Oh, wow. uh, I think most of them are trying to tighten it up and button it up. Okay. The problem is that the bad guys are changing the game every day. And um, you can have the best system in the world. Uh, you can have the hugest spend on it. You can be IBM, you can be Yahoo, you can be Google, you can be Facebook. Um, you can be Medtronic, you can be whomever, um, and something or somehow they might get in.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, The biggest issue that most companies have, um, honestly, the cause of most data breaches isn't some outside hacker breaking into a system. It's an employee.
1: Really? In house? Is giving away their password. And username? About
3: nine, something like ninety-one or ninety-two percent of data breaches go back to basically a negligent employee.
1: Oh no! So like, so like those spam emails when someone like accidentally fills that out, that that could be potentially a breach. That can be a breach. breach? Um, I didn't think about that.
3: Somebody has, you know, they take the work computer home. Maybe they're on a trip. Oops! I left it at the airport or I left it in the cab, Yeah, that's considered a breach. Oh, jeez. Cell phones have enough data on them now that losing a cell phone can be considered a data breach. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. I mean, there was a, uh, just on the issue of a lost laptop, and there was no information that anything bad had happened, Uh, but there was a financial advisor down in, in Alabama who was fined by the entity that governs financial advisors, called the Financial Regulatory Authority, FINRA. It fined this guy several hundred thousand dollars because he lost a laptop where the data wasn't encrypted. Oh. Because the firm had a policy that all data should be encrypted. Yeah, and, it broke that. and he broke the policy. There was no evidence that anyone had ever found it. it he could, it, As far as we know, it could have just fallen off the side of his boat into the... To the lake, and yeah. no one ever found it. Mm-hmm. But it's a breach, and yeah. he got fined for just violating a policy.
2: Sure.
1: All right. So I got another company for you. It's uh, it's one of my favorite neighborhood restaurants. It's Applebee's. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of money getting poured into Applebee's nowadays with their drink specials and uh, half to, apps. Yeah, half apps after nine. They're just trying to get get a lot of us young kids there. Do you think they got pretty
0: good uh, cybersecurity?
3: Hopefully, better than their food.
0: Yo. Uh, A good point. I um, mean, <laughs> well they use those those menus now on on the table. Yeah, well you yeah, like, so swipe. Them. Yeah, you swipe them. I mean, you really don't even need your waiter or waitress anymore. You can just plug in what you want. Right.
3: Well, the the question I have with that is like if you go into any kind of uh Starbucks or Caribou or any kind of coffee shop, um you're going to see people tapping away on their computers, most of them using the open Wi-Fi. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't take m- much for a, a cyber criminal sit there with a little sniffer, we call it, on their computer and suddenly be getting all of the internet information from all of the people in that cafe.
1: Like all their IP addresses. All the stuff.
3: IP addresses, passwords, et cetera. Yeah. Um it's possible and i don't know how encrypted the data is it should be encrypted in my opinion when you use one of these remote systems like you're you know they're swiping the card at your table and it goes through a system electronically i'm hoping that is encrypted from that point on it probably is because the payment card industry requires that under their their rules um most of the restaurants, if they're swiping cards, they're subject, and, and retail are subject to the PCI requirements of the payment card industry, and they have very stiff security requirements. And if there's a breach, it is a almost a, it's going to close the restaurant down, or yeah. the business down, because right. they just, they normally don't have the $50,000, $70,000 to pay to tighten their system back up, to become mm. compliant. Okay. But I would say most of them are doing a pretty good job, and then I would think if they're using commercial systems, which most restaurants like an Applebee's would be using, that those are as tight as they can be.
0: Okay, who do you think would have a who, who do you think has a better cybersecurity, Uber or Lyft?
3: No idea. <sighs> um, I,
0: I just imagine Lyft just not doing, or one of the two just doing it better than the other, and the other one just kill, like just getting abused by. The, the thefts out there stealing our data. How about the I, 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 at... I picked the wrong one. I'm guessing it's Uber because I I have Uber. Well, that's right, so my theory.
3: I, I I've used both. I think that um, their data again should be encrypted the way they do their system. One one thing when you look at their system, if you look at it, if the IP address if it's HTTPs colon whatever slash that's that's an encrypted system. If it mm. doesn't have the S, it's not. But you're going through their app, it should be encrypted.
1: Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. It's good to know.
3: Um, I haven't heard about anyone bre- breaking into those systems. It's possible someone can. It's possible someone can get into anything. You're right. Um, but I haven't heard. <laughs> As we've learned. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard of any breaches. I mean, Uber's had a lot of other problems itself. It has had breaches, actually. Uber has. Um, I knew
0: it. I picked the wrong one. I knew it. Well,
3: I I believe this was in the UK that um, there were several hundred thousand drivers and then some of their riders had their data breached. Mm -hmm. Um, The cyber criminals contacted Uber and offered to sell it back to them. And supposedly Uber paid for it. But the problem is Uber, Uber could not guarantee it ever got all the information because who knows what those guys maybe they kept a copy maybe not maybe they did okay oh my gosh and then the problem was uber didn't tell anybody it came out months and months later and the europeans especially in the uk were unhappy about that Uh, and that's another reason why uber has had some management changes over the past few years Mm.
0: okay well keith you've taught us a lot through this process and uh, we've learned a lot, Deck. Do you have any other questions? I have. I have a final question. One final question, yeah, right? Please jump in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Thank you, man. You're it's been welcome. a. Uh, it's been an absolute journey. Andrew and I, our brains are just a slight tad bigger. Um, we know all. <laughs> what What it comes down to, I think, is just. Um, this is a serious issue, and I think it's good to talk about. It's good to understand as young entrepreneurs to uh, put security on the on the front of your to-do list, you know, and and priorities I guess as a business. I
3: I think that the biggest issue, the biggest thing is to be aware that it's a need Mm -hmm. and as I say, you can try to do the right things Um, try not to um, use apps that you don't need to, get them off your phone Mm -hmm. Um, when you're using your computer in a public place set up a VPN so you have your own network don't use a free off vpn right you you get what you pay for Mm -hmm. but if you have virtual private network you're protecting yourself from bad guys sitting over next door the next table sifting through all your data as you're sending it through to the wi-fi through caribou or whomever right Mm -hmm. um as you're setting up a business um It doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money to set up the basic cybersecurity, but you need to talk to people who can either do it the the right way or get you the right people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the important thing.
1: Awesome. Right on, man. Well, uh, last question. What did you learn today from the time you woke up to the time you're uh, sitting here, 7 o'clock p.m. on a a Wednesday night?
3: Well, I learned that a Canadian law firm, when it says docket 2, mediation report means continued work on it
1: bet you didn't know that no i had no, no idea no idea no idea, <laughs> no idea.
0: <laughs> you're, you're leaving us like hmm uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to google that and, one and to that i say hmm. Hmm. yeah but that's a wrap key thank you so much for joining us
3: you're quite welcome it's been a great pleasure and anytime i can help you or anybody else i'd be glad to do so
0: That was Keith Daniels. What a roller coaster that was! I'm exhausted. I, Mentally my brain, exhausted. Yeah, my brain is drained. Oh my
1: gosh, it was just um, so intense from the start. And he, when you have someone on who's a lawyer, I totally forgot that he was a lawyer. Like, oh man, the, just the way they talk—it's just you got to be locked into every single word.
0: They kind of avoid answering everything. They kind of deflect a little bit. I mean, Keith did. He answered a lot of the questions, but you could tell that he still had his lawyer roots in him, where he was just like deflect, deflect, deflect. Well,
1: this is that's just like how he answers questions. I don't yeah. think he was like purposely trying to deflect your questions. Maybe he was. Maybe there's bad questions. Who knows? But nonetheless, dude, thanks for him, for having coming on, Keith. Like yeah. that was honestly
0: a blast. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to um, bring in Sam and Marketing intern spotlight number 18. He uh, enjoyed, He was able to sit in on that whole conversation, and he's here with us today. Sam, what did you think of the Keith Daniels conversation?
4: That guy was intense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting in his spot right now where he was, and I can just feel, you know.
1: The, the warmth?
4: Yeah. Well, literally the warmth. But also, I mean, that guy brought a lot to the table. Uh, Super knowledgeable. Uh, Kind of scares me. I kind of want to delete Facebook now, honestly. That mm. was... Really, it was really insightful, though. But you can definitely tell he was a lawyer, though. Definitely tell he was a really smart dude and uh, definitely knows what he's talking about.
1: Right on, so. man. And uh, just to give our marketing interns a little background, granted, our marketing interns are our listeners. And our learners. And our learners. Uh, Sam Schooneman is, uh, like Andrew said, it was a marketing intern, but now is a uh, got promoted to a intern. We're going to call him Intern Sam. He's going to be uh, one of our producers when he can be um in here dicing it up with us uh checking some content always on google trying to look stuff up for us when we need it um and just kind of being on the marketing front dude we're, uh, we're excited to have you
4: i'm excited to be on here too uh yeah you'll be seeing a lot of me be hearing a lot of me hopefully it will be uh you know going on the social media i'll be posting a lot of live videos and okay. stuff for me you know just hanging out your to-do list is out. endless
0: man yeah you, you get ready to work
1: yeah so, so get locked in yeah dude strap up zip up your vest put some stuff in the in, in the pockets and let's go
4: i'm ready to, Let's ride. i'm ready to work for the boys thank you we appreciate
0: yeah, it for the boys yeah. all right let's get to the back end the back end is where our marketing interns are a tier above the rest they have enjoyed roughly an hour and three minutes with the back pocket thus far so if you have stuck around this far this long i mean bravo kudos to you you guys are the best we out. love you guys uh, please leave us a, a comment below if you even like this podcast, and if you did, give us a five star review. And if you don't, if you didn't, uh, get out of get here! Get out of here! Yeah, don't <laughs> don't even bother. But uh, what, we, when we get to the back end, we start off with an average quality. This is something that uh, is a core, competency, what Pr- principle principle. That, that's a better word. Or staple. It's a staple of the back pocket. Declan Brown what is our average quality of season 2 episode 41 it is uh, trying
1: hard to not talk about the podcast um, in corporate setting in the right angle world and this is such a big issue because once we tell someone about our podcast, then it just it consumes that person's life. Cause the floodgates are open. The floodgates are open and, you know, people start getting distracted at work. You know, they start working late because they listen to our podcast during their lunch break. And it turns that lunch break in from like a 30 minute to an hour because they're just enjoying
0: us so much. It's tough. They eat it up. And I have a perfect example of how the podcast just absolutely consumed one of my employees at United Healthcare. So I was explaining a podcast and how, and this, and she was all about it. She was like, my boyfriend's going to love this. This is the perfect thing, but I want to listen to one right now. Like what, what would be a, a great podcast to listen to? So I'm like, all right, ask her a few questions, get her, get her, um, her hobbies and her interests down to figure out which of our hundred episodes to feed her. And I gave her one that was like an hour and a half. Um, which one did you give her? Do you remember? It, it, it was Gino. It was a recent one. Okay. She she was all about marketing, so I was like, all right, Gino's perfect for this. And she listened to the whole thing, and then uh, she, when she got done, I walked over to her cubicle, and I was like, what'd you think? She goes, the podcast was awesome, but you used 85% of my data for the month. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yo, chill out, dude. You don't have to listen to it all at once. <laughs> or you could like, yeah, wait till you get home and download it or something. I was like, but like when she said that, it was great. I was like, I the joy in like just the blood flow went straight to happiness. And right. then she was like, but it used eighty five percent of my data, and I just my my face went white, and I was like, uh, 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 uh we are uh, sorry. Yeah, uh don't know what's you Yeah, yeah. Just
1: I guess you gotta download it over Wi Fi. Wi Fi, man. Shout mm-hmm. out to the Wi Fi. How about this though? Um.
0: Whenever you'd make that noise, should I stop doing that? Yeah, okay. it,
1: it it picks it up big time. Yeah, we gotta cut. Sam, let's that cut that hurt out. Hurt actually. Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> let's cut that out, dude. I'll... Don't do that. Yeah, dude. I gotta yeah. Stop. stop. That's my average. Hey, quality. man, change. Okay, what, what else you got for me? The uh, Lindsay when she was listening to our podcast to give us some feedback. Yeah, and she was at um, the airport before she was taken off on her flight and just mm-hmm. started to listen to our podcast and was so in touch with it. That's just Mr. Flight straight up. Yeah. How crazy is that? That's nuts. So that's like, shout out to us for being uh, engaging. I guess that that was my biggest takeaway from right. She now. lost. She lost track of time. That's pretty yeah. cool.
4: Oh
1: yeah. Did, Sam, do you ever? Is this something that occurs with you? Like when you listen to her podcast, you're like, I can't stop. It's an addiction.
4: Um. No, I wouldn't say it's an addiction. Okay. But on. definitely get lost in time though. It's a whole nother world. But I mean, props to you guys for being able to literally make me Mr. Flight though. Yeah, uh, Del- yeah. Delta should hire you guys actually for like a better turnover rate of flights and stuff. Or if a flight's too booked, I think it would you help know, they could put us in there. Yeah, just somebody yeah. that's waiting to get on the flight. You know, if they have to be, you know, it's, it's overbooked, throw on some headphones on that person, let you listen to the podcast. It's their fault. Not Delta's anymore.
1: I think there should be a separate company that works with um, like, you know, Delta has standby flights, um, basically putting our podcast into the ticket owners. And then we'd be working in part with the standby um, people that want to get on the flight, so that those people miss their flight and the standby people can get on. Mm.
0: What do you think about that? That's an, inter- an interesting thought. I don't, I don't like it, but it's interesting. Okay, well, we'll move on. Yeah. Um. It's the gift. It's the season of giving. Yeah, speaking of flights. Yeah.
1: Speaking of flights, absolutely.
0: Everyone's gonna be flying everywhere this Wednesday night heading to uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, to the family. Um, speaking of that, like I'm heading to Atlanta for the first time in four years because St. Thomas football has grounded me in the. The land of 10,000 lakes, I finally get to go see my mama's family, which is good Good news. That's see awesome, how they're doing, see how they've grown. And, they haven't even and seen developed. Andy Podcaster, so I'm going to plug the podcast out the wazoo during Thanksgiving. That's going to be the easiest thing I've ever done. For sure, dude. <laughs> it, so, you, so you're excited? Yes. Okay, nice. Um, Thanksgiving is
1: just a fun time, man. I think Wednesday, that Wednesday before, is just like... The uh it's like the biggest reunion of all time, whether it's like your high school friends all coming back or if it's um your family members, just a great time to just collaborate, honestly. Well,
4: there's literally a name for it, drink it's called Drinksgiving. Really? That's literally yeah, that's like a a, like a known drinking holiday now oh just the wednesday the, just the day before thanksgiving yeah Yeah. So, i think yeah. it's
0: the highest rate like dui rate in the day in the, oh. i thought 365 It's yeah. <laughs> really that?
4: interesting actually you just knew that yeah
0: that's an that's awesome
1: congrats again
0: congrats to me uh, yeah that's a I, that's a, a fact that's a great one oh, okay yeah. well not congrats to the people who got that well yeah definitely not congrats to the people who got the dui but yeah. nonetheless those people got it figured out yeah Get it together. I mean, I know you're, you're joyful with uh, th- giving thanks, right. but like, hold it back a little bit. What do you think? Don't get behind for? the wheel. Did, what are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Yeah, this year. Mm, that's a great question, Dick. I'm thankful for Uptown. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's changed me. So why is that? Um, we're sitting here today on November 19th, right. um, and I was able to, to figure out a whole new vibe of Minnesota. I thought minnesota was what st thomas had to offer and it it is a very much prevalent throughout this state right but there's much more here and uh it opened up the doors and i think uh, i'm taking this a little too deep but uh um i just really do like uptown and i like having things near me now versus having to get in like a suburban area and but not very lively suburban area i guess right
1: now it's convenient yeah it's awesome it's phenomenal, dude. That's what I'm
0: thankful for. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I like that, man. I thought you were making fun of me at first. No,
1: no, no. I was just like genuinely asking what. Because what are you
0: thankful for, dude? Um, dude,
1: thanks for asking. Um, I'm thankful for just opportunities. Um, so that's a little deeper than what you were saying. Much deeper. Um, let's see how he spins this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. sp- Decky spins on dude. Um, I just love that we've been able to record this for now 41 straight weeks, and it's literally been an opportunity following itself every single week no matter what granted we'll do like a podcast um or a week where we'll have like four interviews which by the way we should never do that again um but just simplifying it in terms of just like every single day is a different opportunity and i can confidently say the back pocket has taken advantage of every single one of those whether it's good or bad or however what that result was we at least can say we didn't miss an opportunity
0: well said man love that yeah good that's a that's a really good thankful. That, I think that's, you thought that through way better than I did. Yeah. So uh, I say kudos way too much now. Have oh, you yeah. noticed that? No, dude. Um, not at all. Okay. So It's kind of like good. how Sam says like. I haven't said it at all. At happy, all. Yeah. So I'm
4: thankful for that. Um, <laughs> what are you thankful yeah, for, Yeah, what are you Sam? thankful for, Sam? I can't answer that um, because... Because you're not I'm, thankful? Well, I'm not spending this Thanksgiving with my family, actually. What? I will be on a flight on Thanksgiving to Nashville. Oh, why so, is that? Yeah. So you can't be I'm, thankful for anything? Is that well, what you're I just feel like a really crappy person. Oh, for, okay. because Yeah, let's get into the details. So instead of staying at home in Minnesota and having Thanksgiving with my family, I'm flying to Nashville and then hitching a ride with my buddy down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and spending the weekend at a frat house. Auburn, Alabama game? Auburn, Alabama. Hell
0: yeah. Really so, the Iron Bowl.
4: I'm yeah I'm choosing football and fraternity over family so
0: well you got to do it at one point yeah and I think before you know. <laughs> it's like it gets to the point where it's like it's late into the season of the family you know like you know people, your family's getting old I think you're doing it at the right time there's
4: always Christmas you're right there there always there's always Christmas, Christmas. Mm-hmm. There, I can always hang out with them then but yeah so hey. that's that's my we have a flight at 10 30 on things on and,
1: so. and your family was like yeah dude would love for you to leave on I, uh, the
4: biggest family holiday. I kinda just threw it on them. I'm like, yeah, like I'm doing this, got a flight and they're they just kinda like they zone me out or whatever. Okay. And I think now they're like, Wait, so you're not gonna be here? We so should make we in. should make I have a family of six and they're probably like we should make three fourths less than out of, you know, mashed potatoes we should make because I eat that much mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, enough. you're but, eating well, yeah, so yeah. yeah, um it'll probably hit them. On Thursday, when I'm like, somebody needs to drive me to the airport okay. because I have a flight, and they're gonna be in their you know Thanksgiving apparel. Mm-hmm. Grandparents will probably be there, you Dress know, dressed like pilgrims. Everybody's going to be ready to eat, you know. Little cousins running around. And I'm like, my bags are packed, you know. Yeah. I got a, I got a flight to catch. I got to get down to the south. Never I've never been to a southern like fraternity or college though. So yeah, that's gonna okay. blow you out of the water. I so. get to
0: experience uh, Georgia Georgia Tech every year. <gasps> Ooh, it's big time. Um, and this year it'll be at. I don't know where it is hosted this year. If it's at Georgia Tech, we typically go to the game because my grandpa went there and they got good, sweet, good seats. So hopefully I'd it's at say. Georgia Tech this season.
1: Right on, yeah. dude. Well, uh, trap the puck. What did you learn today, Andy? Let's oh, go with you. F- yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what do you got? I usually ask you how you're doing. Um, so he asked me, "Deck, how are you doing today, man?" Um, "Doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Um, but what did I learn today? I, uh, I, first off, I learned that memes are hot." they are hot in the streets right now. We, uh, I've been perusing the streets of Instagram, noticing, you know, Gary V's throwing out memes now. Um, if Gary V's doing something, I'm, we're copying them straight up. Um,
0: and we're spin zoning. And I feel like,
1: yeah, we're spin zoning it in like our back pocket way. I mean, yeah. we're copying cop- the copy. format, but sure. niching down in our fashion, right? How about utilizing uh, utilizing? There you go. And, uh, I don't like that. word, copy. Cop- yeah. Yes. Sorry. sorry dude. I mean, we're, we're making the most of our opportunities. Um, but anyways, memes are hot right now. We, we posted our first meme, and it blew up, had the best conversions we ever had. So that was great. Another thing I learned uh, was sleep is starting to be recognized by major um, work industries. So I had to give a talk to my company today. I gave a talk at PCL and told them about sleep in construction. And you know having Matt Berg on the podcast and Dr. Roxanne Pritchard, I felt like I was uh, educated enough to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out, though, through my research... That taxi companies, bus driving companies, and uh, truck driving companies are all requiring their employees to track how many hours of sleep they get. And they're required to sleep a certain amount of time each day before they can drive. And if they're pulled over, um, the cops and people are allowed to check their sleep log. And if they've had less than what it is, then they are like their contracts get terminated pretty much. Whoa. So, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, that's a serious step
0: in, a, in the right direction, I feel like. Sleep's important. That's awesome. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that was being that severely taken right? advantage of. Right? That's what like I found It out. needs to be utilized in that way. It yeah. was unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you learn, man? I learned, so, this is the first winter. We're just getting into the, the first days of winter. And I learned that the uh, the investment I made um, of the car starter on my keys is fantastic the one where you like you started before you get into the car yep that is so cool yeah it's been amazing so i i usually get done making my breakfast or my lunch in the morning and then i walk to my key and i hit it twice see the thing light up green hear the car start go upstairs pack everything up sit down on the couch for like three minutes just like Check my email, whatnot. You just
1: sit on the couch in the morning and just chill for three minutes? I
0: always plan so I'm not rushing it. Hopefully, okay. I have that time allowed. Gosh, if not, gosh, I'm gosh. running around filling up my water whatnot. Forgetting your lunch. You know the drill. Yeah. Forgetting something. And uh, I get to my car, and it's already toasty, dude. That's so awesome. See, I'm just lucky if my car starts in the morning. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I get in my car, put the keys in, and I like turn it a little bit to turn the lights on and everything. And I'm like, all right and then if it if it goes on I'm happy man if it doesn't I'm just like well I'm to, be, to be expected to be expected right it's, <laughs> it's a crapshoot every time man Um, Sam what did you learn yeah man what did you learn
4: Um, kind of piggybacking off of yours actually I learned that I really need a car scraper for my windows mm. uh, this was probably like the fourth fifth morning I woke up to go to class haven't bought a scraper yet you know Balling on a budget, and what
1: do you what do you do then? Just try blind, grab a yeah, fork. Yeah, so
4: grab <laughs> a four No, you. I actually risk it. Literally, I it's pretty you know it's pretty hard to see out when it's like that yeah. our southern listeners won't know you know but, yeah mm-hmm. no, we understand though many right? southern listeners we, under, yeah. we understand it. you'll have a lot more after my trip to alabama we we'll tell you that much Ooh, love yeah. That. yeah we'll give you a bunch of business cards yeah <laughs> good idea <laughs> just yeah. have yeah
1: but you have to be me or andrew so that it plays out you know yeah okay you cool then that? yeah that's
4: fine
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah,
4: it's whatever so but no so i just throw on the wipers and the uh the heat that goes onto the window yeah you know, it's like all the way to the right on most yep. things i feel like sure and I just, I have like a 10, 10 minute drive to class, let the things fly. Let, and it's by the time I get into the St. Thomas parking ramp, it's, it's finally cleared. Yeah. But like it, I have had some, I've had some really dicey situations going down the road, right? You're just like leaning down. When the sun is coming down, it just, it blinds you. So I'm, I'm going home tonight and I'm just going to take one from one of my parents or my sister's car. Nice. And if smart. I can't, if I can't find one, so I'll put them in danger. Right on. Um, yeah, kind of selfish. Then. Yeah, but, but savvy. Got to yeah, do what you got to do. I need it more than them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I. So yeah. But I realize I really need one of those.
1: Why so. not, right man? Yeah. Well. Uh... I think it's kind of funny, Andrew. You're describing how like only one spot of the windshield like actually melts, and that's the part you see out of. So you're just like you're looking
0: through it as it's, like your lower through. part because it's the fan blowing up right. the heat. So you're like getting yeah, to the bottom, exactly. Or we just... make
4: the costume mistake of uh hitting like the like the antifreeze or whatever that comes up. Or yeah, yeah like, <laughs> Every... the wipers. It a it's gonna be times worse. <laughs> like I literally like your heads out the window at that point. I yeah. can't see anything. <laughs> Face is freezing. Yeah, that's man. That's that's what we live for, right? There's
0: always that moment you're like, oh, the antifreeze will work now, yeah, it and you to. blast. <laughs> it. it has to work, right? And you blast it, and it just makes everything worse.
1: Oh, I only have one side of my antifreeze that works. It is the side that's in the passenger. So when I blast it, I have to blast it like four times for it to like finally get into my vision so I can see. Bro, it's the, there's the that barely works or so the antifreeze is half working. The um, windows don't roll down. So I'm like so concerned about when cops pull me over. Wh- what's that going to look like? so open the door, man. I'm going to open the door and they're going to like, they're going to beat me, dude. Because they're going to be like, this guy's trying to run. Whoa, dude. Easy. Dude, that Not is, on this
0: podcast. That's, that's,
1: what's go- that's what I feel like it's going to happen because I can't roll down the window. It's going to be, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy's getting out of the car. A little tough guy. You know, I don't know, dude. <laughs> if I got out, dude, with my hands up and I got my registration insurance. You know, in my I license. did that once in high school.
0: Yeah. I got pulled over for rolling a, a stop sign and uh, I couldn't find my wallet. I was like, I think I left it at home. I think I left my wallet at home, and yeah. all I had was like registration. He's like, "All right." So he goes to his, his car and like starts like looks me up in the system, and I found it like underneath my something in my backpack. Right. And I get out. Of the car. I'm like six, seventeen, like just got my license. I get out of the car. I'm like, I got my license. And he goes, "Get back in the car. Get in there." I was like, "Oh, I'm oh, sorry." And I was like, yeah, "I thought I was like." But you totally see what I'm saying, good. though? Yeah. Like, if, I, if you go against the
1: protocol, the yeah. cops are going to immediately think, like, this guy's a psycho, right? And, yeah. Uh, and driving the white Stratus, you never know. Yeah, your car's get
4: about to be done.
1: But fight, keep fighting. Keep the, fighting. The
4: mustache probably raises some questions to begin with. You're already like a red flag when he pulls you over.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. he's first going to say, wow, this is the best looking guy I've ever pulled That's over. That's not what I meant,
4: you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right let's trap the puck all right aside from that yep. feel good story let's get our marketing interns feeling good so this uh with it this has been kind of a a last ditch effort that we've always had the feel good story is like the last thing we're like all right what well, makes us feel good we write something down and we go for it right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i want to start capitalizing more on making it known to people that are having a significant impact in our lives and we want to tell other people about that thus making them feel good okay Yesterday we interviewed, or actually this this week's marketing intern spotlights Gabe Malinsky, and I just want to give him a shout out and just how he made us feel when he says, um, "You know, you are who you spend the most time with um, week to week. You know, the five closest people are the ones that you most emulate. And and you're, the, you're the average of those five people. Exactly and. He's like, dude, I hang out with you guys three times a week for for at least a couple hours. Just saying that he listens to our stuff and like totally loves what we do. And it's just always good to hear that recognition, man.
0: That was so cool. Right? Wasn't that the coolest thing ever? That was the best feel-good story that he could have brought up. Right. And reiterating that fact is perfect.
1: Right. And then just understanding like the value that he's bringing now and like how he's applying what we're um, kind of preaching into his own thing with Never Stop uh, or Never Peak and his clothing company and everything. Um, so just shout out Gabe, man! What a great dude. Um, I hope other marketing interns and other people like that uh, utilize us in the same way. So, Tremendous, uh, man! Yeah, simple as that. Um,
0: I hope you guys feel better. Let's uh, let's hype up next week. Next week we have Mark Mitri. I
2: don't
0: know, dude. Mark Mitri is the guy. Just so famous on LinkedIn, and uh, <laughs> he's a he, big LinkedIn guy. It's so funny, Sam. You're looking surprised over here with that comment, but he knows the optimization the best like we talk to him on the regular just to figure out how to make sure our stuff is on the top of people's feeds yeah and it's commenting on other people So like um posts is one of the cool like the biggest uh, we'll talk about it next week but anyways he
1: has just been such a big culprit on the back end of our whole podcast showed us like google hangouts showed us zencaster showed us headliner the app that we make social media posts on he is i think he's like 21 or 22 he owns a um, he, owned, he obviously runs the humans 2.0 podcast, which is a top hundred podcast. And he's just been doing the same things that we've been doing, you know, preaching the growth and development, but also preaching and getting on these just awesome dudes like Neil Patel and Ed Milet and just all these like really big names and podcasting. So we're going to get his story and figure out how he's done it and, uh, just really collaborate, man, and tell some more stories. So I'm excited for it next week. What, what is that? November 26th at 5am dude we will see you all there mark mitri take care guys love you take care